Well, welcome to week two of the Miners. Uh, today we are talking about Joel, and Steve Pruitt gave the message. So Steve joins me as well mm-hmm. as Marcus Sun. Welcome, guys. The Miner Great to Pruitt. be here. The Miner Pruitt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Mark, people probably have seen you now. They probably, seen, if they've been around Element, they've seen you on stage. Leading. Oh, yeah, I play, I play a little piano. No, um, <laughs> yeah. What is your uh, favorite instrument to play? You know, my guilty pleasure is playing guitar. Uh, I'm not good at it, but man, I love doing it. Mm. <laughs> it feels the best. Nice. But uh, I, I do, I, I do express myself a lot better through uh, through a piano. Is that what you started on? It is what I started on, yeah. What, so how and when did that start? Eight? <sighs> Probably, yeah. Yeah, Probably. Um, yeah mm-hmm. I started taking lessons when I was really young. Um, and I uh, kind of resented it for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> until I was about uh, 15 or so, and I started um, really getting into bands. Um Funny story that um, when I was 12, probably, uh, Aaron Carlberg and Marianne came over to our house for dinner, and I remember Aaron picking up Dad's guitar and playing uh, Dave Matthews Band song on it or something like that, and I remember just being so impressed with Aaron's musicianship and his talent playing guitar, and uh, and he kind of goaded me on to, to you know jam with him, and I couldn't. You know, all I'd ever done was was read music, and he was like, "You know, you gotta learn to play chords. You gotta learn to play chords so you can be in the band." <laughs> and I was thinking, like, "Yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. Like, yeah, I don't want to do this dumb classical music. I want to play in a band." <laughs> and uh, and I remember they left, and mom and dad were like, "Hey, you know, we think it's really it's really good what you're doing. <laughs> don't you know? Don't don't take that <laughs> personally." I'm like, "No, I agree with them wholeheartedly. That's what I want to do." So did you put all 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 your boys in music, or did you see something? Only in him Mark. We saw something in him. He was always beaten on something, you know. Just had something. And I mean, here's the parental side of the story: is that you know when he was little, we made him take lessons and made him practice, which he hated to do like crazy. And then when he got to, I think it was junior high. He said, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to do piano anymore. And we said, well, we had this little chat. <laughs> we said, we're actually in charge of your education. Hmm. And we see a gifting in you. And we think that music needs to be part of your education. And so... We're going to keep doing it. And we changed his teacher, and he got a teacher who gave him things that were way above his skill level and challenged him, even mm. Scott Joplin type of stuff. That He really wanted to quit. and But at that time, he began to really take it as his own. Well, with that, you want to jump into Joel? Would you mind uh, giving a brief recap? We're... Talking this week about the book of Joel, he's one of the minor prophets. It's prophetic poetry, almost a whole book. If you have a new Bible, you can actually see the way that it's laid out. It looks like a poem, and that's because it is. And God calls upon the people of Judah to rend their hearts 
and not their garments so that they can return to him. Then in the middle of the book, it shifts and goes to a future day of the Lord where some pretty phenomenal things are going to happen. Like he's about the first one that really mentions a definite coming of the Holy Spirit. And then he goes in to tell them about the devastation that's going to happen during that eventual day of the Lord. But then again, he shows what happens when his people turn to him in the end. And he promises to be with them and to protect them all the way through and eventually to dwell with them forever. Have you taught through Joel before? No. No? So is it fun? Like, is it new material, so to speak, to, mm-hmm. to yeah. work through? Yeah, it's been great. Um, I had no idea that there was as much as there is in the book. So I think a common theme that I think we're going to see throughout all of these minors is this idea of worship. I know next week we hit it a lot. How do you guys define worship? And, and Mark, thanks for being here as, as uh, kind of our newest person who leads music on Sundays, Um, but I'm curious how both of you explain worship to somebody, and and what is your heart when it comes to either corporate worship or just worship in your life? I always think, almost always think of the word worth when I think of worship, because it came from worth-ship. That's how it was originally said, even. And it really, to me, is anything that you do or say that shows the worth of your God. Mm. When it comes to corporate worship, it's, I, I love it where the congregation is declaring the, the praises, the value, the power, the worth of our God together. One of the most powerful feelings that I feel like I've ever had in my life is is hearing the congregation all singing together. And I just feel like it's this just brief little glimpse of heaven. It's this brief little glimpse of eternity. Yeah. It's all of us just with all of our voices lifted up and, and unified. It's so precious, um, and it's so... Words come to mind that I would never want to use in a normal <laughs> sentence, like majestic. <laughs> but But there's something... Yeah, there's something um, supernatural about it. Mm-hmm. We're created to worship God. We're mm-hmm. created to, uh, to to praise Him. And so I, I think for me, as, as a person who's trying to uh, <laughs> figure out how to be a worship leader, um, that, that's kind of what I feel like I'm chasing down, is, is trying to figure out how to, how to foster that. I have all these ideas of, of the worth of it. You know, it's it's going to be worth it if the music is great. Mm. And so often I'm finding that it doesn't matter at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, the music can be complete garbage. It has nothing to do with mm-hmm. that. Or maybe it does. I don't know. Also, mm-hmm. if it's, you know, you know, if it's discordant, then, then there is a... Um, there's a feeling of unrest that seems to counteract a person's... Um, sort of like disposition to get into that that place of well it distracts you away from the one that you're supposed to be focusing on so that's why we want to do it with excellence not to be a good performance and have everybody go yay the band is so good but to facilitate worship yeah. without getting in the way 
<laughs> yeah, uh, my mm-hmm. my prayer Sunday mornings is always God, don't let me get in the way. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I, I have a really hard time with myself getting in the way. I I I fight it. Mm-hmm. Um, I I have spent too many years trying to, you know, improve my my musicianship. Mm-hmm. That kind of uh, letting that take a back seat and putting my heart where it belongs is, is hard. Mm-hmm. I think all this goes into, does tail into, you know, part of the, the what you talked about in the message, you know, this, this rending of garments. And, and so how does that, what, what was that culturally in, in that time and, and today? And what, how does worship play? In the Old Testament, rending the garment was a sign. There were two main ways that people showed their either exasperation, desperation, or anger, or, you know, just that they are beside themselves, is they would tear their garment and everybody could see they were in distress, or they would grab ashes and flip them on their head. And so if you are... In either of those ways, people would know that you were really seriously affected by something. And what God says there is like, I want you not to rend your garment. I want you to rend your heart. I want it at the very core of your being. I want you to be changed. Mm. And then um, then let's talk about it. You know, return to me by starting right there at your very core. So the same thing with worship, the outward, you know, there's the outward, either technical parts of it or display parts of it. Some people just don't even think they're worshiping unless they're raising their hands and all. And, And that's a wonderful thing if it starts in the heart. And here in Joel, God is saying, you know what? All that stuff is fluff to me. Mm-hmm. I want your heart to be rent. I, I want to see that. There's, there's two different ways that your heart is rent. One is by your guilt, mm-hmm. where you have this aha moment that you realize, I really blew it, and it's like your world collapses because you realize that you have failed and you can't get yourself out of something. Mm. The other one could be where, because of a circumstance that has happened, you know, a devastation like the plague or something like that, that you are at your wit's end, at the end of your rope, and you just go, God, I've got nothing here help me. If you don't intervene here, I don't know what's going to happen to you. I'm going to implode on myself because I'm I'm desperate for you to intervene, something like this. Mm -hmm. There may be others too, Mm -hmm. but I Hmm. see, you know. It's probably about, I don't know, four or five years ago, and I, uh, I was coming home to my house and I was praying I was going through something really hard at the time and um, I felt like I had like there was a feeling of worship that I used to have there was a, a, a place that my heart would go that was so Majestic, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and I just couldn't feel it anymore. 
<laughs> I, I literally fell, <laughs> I fell on my knees um, in my front yard. <laughs> and I like looked up at the sky <laughs> melodramatically. I'm just like, God, like, let me feel something again. I, I just got so focused on on the world, I think, mm-hmm. you know, on, on my personal life, on my artistic life, on my whatever facets of of myself and of, of the world itself. So fixated on it that it was like I I couldn't even feel the presence of God anymore. I couldn't even... Like, the connection just felt severed. Uh, And it it has taken me a long time. Um, I feel like only in the last few months have I finally started feeling like I'm... um, I'm getting to the other end of that. Mm -hmm. Like that... Like a... You know, it wasn't... uh, God snaps his fingers and then I, I feel like... Uh, this this connection is repaired. And do you think that was your doing or God's doing? Like, oh, one hundred percent God's. Okay. <laughs> I, I think I had to. Um, I had to make some choices that that um, kept me in uh, in the right place. But I, I think those are minor in comparison to the things that God was doing. I mean, I can I can look back now and just see this like crystal clear hand of God in my life just putting things in place and and uh, and just this like overwhelming provision for me in my life um, and and I now I look at that and I can't not you know fall on my knees and mm-hmm. and thank God it's just it's yeah it's it's incredible, and, and I, I love what you said. That overwhelming provision, like, and that takes me back to the book of Joel, where where the everything was eaten and destroyed, but it all came back more mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. Takes me back to our Lent series with Job, like like he had more than he had before, and it's not about having more, but but God's God's overwhelming provision, like you said, is just. We can't comprehend it. We can't comprehend how good he is and how how he wants he wants our hearts so that he can I think bless us more in the end because the ultimate blessing is eternity with him, right? And and mm-hmm. salvation and, and being able to worship him forever. And that alone I think is so much more beautiful than we <clears throat> often think it is. Yeah. Well, I think you know, in the case of Job and in our case, that when we go through a dark time, whether it's losing stuff or or sickness or, or whatever, when we come out of it and we see God blessing us, it is like a 2020 vision. All of a sudden you really realize it, where if you were just to cruise <clears throat> through and he's just meeting your needs and all of that. You don't really have a need to look up. You don't really have a need to look any further as to why it's happening sometimes. So I wonder if Job, you know, being doubly blessed at the end was like a quadruple blessing for him because he knew for a fact that it was God who had replaced everything, you know. Hmm. I'm really amazed by the... Uh, 
just the sheer power that God has. Hmm. You know, just the like, um, He's unstoppable. Hmm. You know, the, these man, we sing these songs that I say love it, that. But, <laughs> uh, but like it, he he really is omnipotent. He really is not stoppable, and, and these things that seem so. Um, so bleak, you know. Mm-hmm. So dis- just uh, devastating. Um, God's in complete control, and I, I don't think, I don't think I could have ever felt it so uh, viscerally mm-hmm. without um, seeing it with my own eyes, seeing it in my own life. Yeah, I think that's almost like reading a biography and just going, "Wow, that's really something," but not really. It not really sinking in. It's sort of a vicarious knowledge that you have, and it helps because those that whatever you read or saw or whatever, God brings back to you to remind you that you know He's not just there for that person; He's there for you too. Mm-hmm. And and it seems like that's a little harder for us to mm-hmm. to get that communication mm-hmm. from Him. Not that He's silent on it, but that. Um, we're sometimes hesitant to believe that he's as faithful to us as he is to some people that we think maybe deserve it more. Mm-hmm. Totally. You know? Yeah, deserve it more for sure. I mean, I have like the worst case of imposter syndrome, I feel like, in the world that I just, I feel like. It's I, genetic, I don't. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know how many times I've felt that very same way that I'm just not maybe worth as much as somebody else or I have blown it or I'm not qualified uh, all those kinds of things and after a while I began to realize that when there's an attack on your worthiness that's usually not coming from God he already knows the exact level of our worth and yet placed a price on us by giving us his son. He's already declared that you, to him you're worth his own son. Yeah. And uh, uh, when we're accused of you know being an imposter or you'll never amount to anything that I have a really hard time finding anywhere in the Bible where that kind of talk comes from God mm-hmm. to his people. He just doesn't do it. And I think that's the enemy attacks us as a person where God will come to you and say, Mark, you really blew it right there. Let's peel that thing off of your life. And he'll focus on the thing that's eating away at your integrity or your whatever and not at you as his child because he's already declared you righteous. And it, it, it is amazing because God's, God's provision is overwhelming if we really stop and consider it. This week, really look at where your life, you, you give lip service and where God really is calling you to uh, bring your heart to, to realize who you are in light of Christ. Uh, and, and I think that's so freeing and, and find ways to worship him, to give him worth, to, to speak of his goodness 
and, and who he is and what he has done and uh, find ways to express it to him and to others uh, and invite others into celebrating uh, just who, who God is uh, and be thankful for the locusts that enter our lives because his provision is better than we can picture it mm-hmm. being. And uh, ultimately, being in his presence forever is better than uh, this moment in time. And, and, <laughs> and it does, he does somehow bring it all musically in together and, and uses it for his glory, um, which is uh, a sweet thing for us to experience and mm-hmm. to let him be God and us not. So with that, we'll be back next week for Haggai. Haggai? How do you say it? Hey guy. Hey guy. Hey guy. Not Haggis. Hey. <laughs> That's Wayne's world. <laughs>